There's a saying that every company is becoming a software company. But what might be just as true is that every company is also becoming a publisher as well. Photos, blogs, design, video, sound. It's all created and published at unthinkable rates, and it's being used everywhere. Web, mobile, signage, kiosks, in-store, it doesn't matter. Businesses are creating content to match consumer appetite. So how does a company manage all of these assets, and what kind of content management system is necessary to handle these massive distribution requirements? Can we just manage the content separately without even thinking about how it's going to look in the front end? So you build your models and schemas, just filling out forms, basically, that's it. And then we said, well, can we just make APIs on top of this so the mobile side, they can consume it, and then the website, they can consume it. And let the developers make that decision on what channel they want to show it. So it's completely decoupled. Meet Nishant Patel. He's the founder and CTO of ContentStack, an API-first, headless content management system designed to deliver that first-class digital experience everywhere. And they want to make it easy as possible to deliver content anywhere. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Nishan explains how ContentStack integrates with various products to publish content at a moment's notice and why companies are finding out that is the critical part of their success. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have the founder and CTO of ContentStack, Nishant Patel. Nishant, welcome to the show. Thanks, Albert. Thanks for having me here. All right, right out the gate. Tell us, what is Content Stack? I feel like I know what it is just by the name alone. I feel like this, this business is very well named, but why don't you describe exactly what Content Stack is and what do you guys do? Sure. Yeah. Content Stack is a new way of managing content for you know websites, mobile apps, kiosks, digital signage, whatever there is. So it's, it's a new take on kind of your old traditional monolith uh, systems like Drupal and, and Adobe. AEM and things like that. So it's, it's you know, 100% cloud native, manage your content, deliver your content for different channels. So one of the things I think about when I think of content stacks or CMSs is this methodology to turn everything into like, let's say blocks. And I, you cite modular blocks inside of your website. This idea that, okay, this is my image. This is my copy. This is my audio file. This is whatever. This is how, you know, WordPress, a lot of these sites are built. What makes content stack different? Because it's not, from my understanding, from just looking at your website, it's not just for websites, it's for everything. Yeah. Um, so basically, it is essentially still blocks that you would create, but I think it's the way you manage it and the way you deliver has changed significantly post the cloud world, right? And most of those companies you look out there, they're still kind of on the old monoliths that were built for the web. And if you think about the channel, you know, before mobile apps was just the web. So they kind of combine a lot of the things and build a lot of tooling into just one system. And we call it the monoliths. And, you know, so what's different now is uh, there's a lot of similarities in terms of features that you can think of. There's definitely other features that, that you get with this, this offering. 
but it's the the delivery part which is different so you you manage like you put your content models and you put your content into our system it's all in the cloud so you, you know our, our customers don't have to install and manage any infrastructure and you basically model your content you put it on on our systems and then the delivery side you could pick whatever channel i mean you can think about the channels the channels have exploded it's not just the web but it's mobile and and kiosks and watches and digital signages and all that sort of stuff right so all that can be done using um content stack all right so the way you're describing it you're saying anywhere that can connect to the web that you are displaying content you mentioned kiosks yeah. so i'm imagining walking in the airport there's screens sometimes that have advertising there are own channels like displays at like if i was at um let's say like a trade show they a lot of the trade show floors they'll have kiosks there that that displays content you're saying anything that you can own and connect to yeah i can manage it all from one place correct yeah and and there is uh from uh, from the technical side the traditional cmss actually you know combine the front end with the content right so if if the the front end is just web then you can you can do that but if the front end which in this case you know the what you just mentioned a digital signage at an airport it is not going to work the same way as a web browser right so your content has to be decoupled from the front end experience and i think that's where uh you know technologies like content stack we don't necessarily well we don't come we don't uh, couple the front end with the content uh we do provide tools to help you consume the content and and put it with whatever front end you want for whatever channel you want to show that content to so walk us through a little bit more into detail cuz i want to make sure all of our audience understands so if i'm managing let's say a, a website and I'll just use WordPress or I'm managing an e-commerce site. Let's say I'm using, you know, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. We got to plug our sponsors. <laughs> I'm in there and I'm setting up, let's say, my main screen image. That hero image displays on my homepage. It does it for either of those two platforms. It's also going to scale and optimize for mobile. Um, but I'm not, where am I not pushing? I'm not pushing content in those platforms to mobile apps. I'm not pushing content to any type of digital signage, as you mentioned. How did you recognize the size of the need that people needed to go beyond just web and mobile web? Because that's exactly what I think when people say they have a CMS. I'm like, oh, web and mobile web. I don't think about other areas where I need to publish. Yeah, yeah, good question. So it essentially, I mean, with my history, you know, I I was at an integration company as a as a developer uh, called Tipco that built a lot of distributed systems, and so you know that journey kind of helped me. with this you know we we started ideating this concept a few years ago and it was mostly driven by just web and mobile at that time right we weren't talking about uh, a lot of these other channels you know and it was really hard you know i i started a services company as well and we were implementing a lot of these monolith systems it was really hard to decouple that front end experience just having two channels which is web and mobile And so we said, well, you know, the the first thing you do, like let's just break this up, right? So we broke it up and it said, "All right, can we just manage the content separately without even thinking about how it's going to look in the front end?" So you build your models and and schemas and things like that just by filling out forms basically. That's it. And then we said, "Well, can we just make APIs on top of this 
so you know the mobile side they can consume it and then the website they can consume it so in the consumption side you basically just call in you get the content and let the developers make that decision on on what channel they want to show it right so it's completely decoupled the front end you basically built separately and you can mix and match things on the front end however you like you can consume apis not just content apis but you can consume commerce apis and build your front end separately right so it's not tightly coupled it's completely decoupled and that gives you a lot of flexibility of whatever you want to build on the experience side on the front end um so it was kind of a a, a progression and it all started with just two channels but now you know it's it's even more beneficial because there's so many channels so yeah i think it's fine i think it's totally fine to talk about this cuz you know i don't work for this company anymore but i know for a fact back in 2015 coca-cola had a dream they called it the dmx digital media exchange like the rapper dmx okay and the whole concept was that anyone anywhere could be given authority authorization and publishing capability for any type of media content asset no matter where they were in the world for any application or use case that was relevant to Coca-Cola. So imagine they do a new activation, they record something really cool with one of their athletes, like an they sponsor athletes. So the athlete does something cool. Now they want this video available in email. They want this video available in international so that the international teams can layer on, let's say, translation. Uh, they wanted it to be on web, of course. They wanted it to be on uh, localized web so that every nation that they have licensing rights to this athlete, that local resource could easily pull or get published the content that they could get access to. Is that what they were trying to build what you've built? Is this, is this accurate? I mean, that was back in 2015. <laughs> I mean, that use case does apply because we have customers that essentially do that. They basically manage or model the content and manage the content in our system and including digital assets and then give each field organizations the rights to use those assets so they have the permission set and then they have the APIs so you know for example like a you know company based out of the US might give something you know uh, like the API access to the guys in Singapore and and the guys in Singapore can kind of quickly put together their experience by pulling in from the same content uh, repo so yes i those use cases are definitely possible in this system that is awesome. All right. So you, you're, you've now got this product going. Where would you say your expertise is? Because what's unique about, in my opinion, with, with a lot of MarTech software is like, you know, you kind of have to be really good at the front end too. Are you more <laughs> of a front end developer or would you say, did you, was this system born from the back end? It was both actually. From my developer experience, I, I, I was uh, what now everyone calls a full stack developer. So I kind of understood the front end side of it as well. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of where we're going with this right now, you know, there's a lot to be done on the, on the back end side of things. And I truly still believe uh, we're still sort of in the early adoption phase. I mean, we've seen crazy amount of growth, but I, I still don't think that uh, there's, there's uh, you know, we're still kind of early. So from, from where we want to go, I think, you know, we don't want to take our eyes off of uh, what we have built. So the, the headless part, the headless CMS part, we want to be very laser focused on that and continue to, you know, keep improving and providing tools for kind of the next big set of companies that will kind of, you know, migrate to this technology. We, in my opinion, this is kind of the only way to move forward. 
And and uh, like I said, we're, we're, we've only scratched the surface so far. So we'll stay focused on the back end for now. But we do work a lot with front-end technologies. There's so much stuff going on on the front-end side, and it's exciting, right? And we work very closely with, with a lot of those technologies because that's also needed for for putting together a experience. So one, one of the studies that Gartner talks about, about the future is that the future of business is composable. Basically, what does that mean to you? And how does content stack, how is it, how are elevated, more advanced CMS is gonna play a part in this composable future? Yeah, um, so, I mean, I'm a tech, tech techie guy. And like I said, you know, I started my career in distributed systems and integration systems and things like that. So we, we used to do things called, you know, some folks might remember this service-oriented architecture. So you kind of break up everything into individual services, right? Uh, this is pre-cloud days, like from 2000 to 2007. Post-cloud, I think, you know, you, you start talking about microservices, right? And, and you, you, know, you compose things together. So content stack itself, you know, from our customer perspective, they only see one service, which is, managing content and delivering content. But internally under the hood, we have a bunch of services that make up content stack. And then now on the other side, our customers can use content stack as a service and then combine that with other front-end technologies, search technologies, e-commerce technologies, and then kind of put it all together and compose it together. And there's tons and tons of benefits to this. You know, in terms of the businesses today, right? Every day, every week, every day, it just keeps changing. The environment keeps changing. We're hit with so many things. Uh, you want to have a tech stack that is, you know, flexible enough that you can move and, and, and change and, and deliver something, deliver new experiences based on the business environment changing, right? And then the only way to do that is to have this services-oriented architecture or, or microservices or composable, whatever you want to call it. It's basically decoupling your tech stack and, and uh, you know, composing it all together. And in terms of benefits, right? Let, let's take, for example, you know, in order to be nimble, let's say you have 10 different services in your tech stack, and one of those companies is not keeping up with the latest and the greatest, right? So to replace that is a lot easier than replacing the entire system. And if you think about the monoliths, that's what it is. It's, it's an entire system. They cannot keep up with the changes that are happening. And they're actually doing a disservice to their customers because the technology's moved on. They cannot move the monolith fast enough. And then the customers are you know, struggling to keep up with the business environment changes, right? So the, the best way to do, go about doing this is to come up with a microservices architecture, you put it all together. Any vendor that's not keeping up with the latest and the greatest, you can just rip and replace without a lot of cost, right? So composable architecture is the, is the future. It's like modular blocks. Yep. Like every service is a, like a Lego, right? One Lego down, you just move the new one in. When you say you break down content stack into these microservices, give our audience an example of what type of services you guys are developing. I'm assuming image recognition, tagging, like some type of machine learning to recognize objects and environments, but that's just at the surface. I'm sure you guys are doing other things. Tons. What types of things are you guys up to? So you have, you have kind of the database service, you have the front end that, you know, uh, that we delivered, that is a, a separate service. We have our content delivery, 
mechanism, which is a completely separate service. Uh, our image APIs is a separate service. You know, th there's a few others, but this all comes together as one service for our customer, right? So our, we ourselves are like composable as well. And, and you know, like I said, if, if our image service for some reason is not working properly or not scaling properly, we can just go in there and just rip and replace that portion of it and not bring the entire thing down, right? So, and you know, on the other side, we keep breaking up a service into multi-service as well as we scale. That tends to happen as well. So we started out with our content management service and content delivery service as being one service. Mm -hmm. But as we onboarded tons and tons of customers and we had to scale to billions of API calls a month, it was obvious that these, that service had to be broken up into two different services and you know, kind of be more focused on the delivery side, the more focused on the management side. And that way it kind of gave us more flexibility in scaling. So let me paraphrase in a simple example. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. So let's, you mentioned the delivery side and let's use storage. I'll just use storage. Yep. And you said, so front end storage delivery. If by decoupling all those three things, that means you, number one, as a customer, I don't have to store my assets on your system. I can actually, for example, the businesses that want, because I've seen this all the time, where they might have an activation, they're doing a marketing thing, where they want the social content to appear, let's say on a billboard, mm -hmm. with contents that I don't need that. You can just go pull it from APIs, pull it from social, delivery network, deliver to objects, use the front end, we got it there. Something as simple as that. So I can choose to store images on your system in storage, or I can have them at their original source, let's say social, and I can integrate them easily. And you have the fast delivery network to deliver them anywhere. Is that like a applicable use case? It is. It is. And you got it right. So yeah, you have the option to store the asset in our system itself. So we provide that storage service, but you could also bring in, you know, assets that you have in other systems. So I think uh, in the composable architecture, another big point is any service that you pick has to be very flexible to work with the ecosystem partners that are out there. So the, the MarTech space is massive, right? There's so many companies coming out every day. Oh, yeah. So for your, your service that you're offering, in this case, Content Stack, and we focus a lot on this, how can you make your system so that it works well with all these other MarTech technologies out there, right? So we don't want it to just be like a small little integration point. You know, we think of integration as, as the heart of what we provide as well. So we want to work really well with, in, in this example that you gave, if the storage is in some other system, how can we, you know, link it to content stack and then deliver it? Um, so those things also tend to become very important. Then you can add the advantage of a microservice on top where you can tag because yep. this was something. So this is something that uh, I'm bringing back to my days of 2015. <laughs> Literally, Coca-Cola might say, hey, I need yellow labs. Go find me all the yellow labs on Instagram that have a Coke can in the picture and we're going to use it for a campaign. And the request sounds so simple, yet <laughs> if you think about that, that's like a, that's a serious endeavor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. You had to go pull all the data off. Let's just use Instagram. You got to pull all the data off Instagram. You need some type of machine learning to identify all the objects with Coke cans. Then you got to use another layer of machine learning to identify all of the golden labs, you know, <laughs> inside of each and every one. So you're talking about building scaling systems that enable requests like this to be possible, no matter where the source of 
information comes from. Right, right. And we give the customers even the option to use whatever you know, AI algorithm or machine learning algorithm they want to use to tag those assets, right? So some customers are you know, using uh, AWS's recognition APIs. So as the assets go into our system, they get tagged uh, by that integration. Some other customers use Azure or IBM. So you, you kind of have to give that flexibility. So now this is what's interesting about, let's say modern, I would say a lot of modern tech companies is, and especially in MarTech, because you know, that's where you guys sit. You already mentioned it. The amount of tools out there is, it's kind of overwhelming, right? <laughs> and you want to make sure your platform fits in nicely. I guess, how do you focus your energies on like what to integrate, what to focus on, what not to focus on? Is it customer driven? Is it developer driven? Who is telling you or who is guiding the development roadmap? Because you certainly can't integrate every single application. It's just not possible. I mean, or maybe it is. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> no, that's again, a really good point. And we have these discussions every day. I mean, we are very focused on content management and content delivery, at least for the foreseeable future. But, you know, what do we do with integration, right? So uh, what we've done is we have exposed integration points into our system on the front end of our application, as well as the back end. So our partners can quickly build solutions. Also in our engineering team, we have a team that is primarily just focused on creating those integrations uh, endpoints. So as our partners or our prospects or customers come in, uh, if they need some integrations and, and that we don't already have, we actually part of the engineering, that team will create that extension point on top of our system. And we find that absolutely important uh, because of you know, the, the ever-changing MarTech uh, space. Right? So we can't just say, hey, customer, you go figure out how to do the integration. We got to kind of be very nimble on our side to provide those solutions. Does it scare you, bother you, concern you how fast new sources of information are popping up in this industry? You know, like, I mean, one example, let's just say is TikTok, right? (laughs) TikTok was not relevant not too long ago. Now it's arguably one of the fastest growing platforms. You got new platforms all the time that are changing the way they behave. Uh, You're also adding new ways of publishing all the time. So where does it, does it scare you? Does it concern you? Or does you get, how do you, how do you view this proliferation? I think it's all of the above. I I, I look at it uh, from like every day, right? Like it's keeping us on our toes, which is kind of good because, (laughs) you know, I want to serve our customers and I want to give them the best technology that's out there. So the fact that there's so much things changing, it's overwhelming for our customers, right? So they rely on us to give them the best of the best. And so from my side, it is scary, uh, you know, because there's so many new things coming up. But at the same time, I look at it as an opportunity of how can we keep innovating on our product side and having that belief that, you know, what we have today is not going to be the, the same thing we'll have next year in terms of what we provide, right? And so how do you build our team and, and also just the culture to, keep evolving to serve the customer. So I would say both, like it's scary at the same time, it's also an opportunity uh, because everyone else is struggling with this and our customers are struggling with, you know, what microservices to put together in a stack. Well, we could be the advisor, I guess, if you keep up with, with everything that's going on. So, yeah. And, you know, my background, actually, I, I uh, had built an integration company in the cloud. So iPaaS 
uh, which we sold to another company. And, and so, you know, integration is like key to our, to our, I guess, engineering, you know, we, we have that knowledge and, and we're using that at, with, with content stack. Yeah. Someone told me once in, when it comes to marketing, if you can be the pipes, you always win because the look of marketing will always change. Meaning like whatever application, whatever delivery mechanism, all those will change, but the need for content yeah. is never going to change. That, that will never go away. Now where you get it from is going to change, but <laughs> the fact that you need content from A to B is never going to change. Now, part of this also is that you're the founding team of content stack. You guys have done this a couple of times now. Is that right? We have. Yeah. It, it uh, We've done a, a few cloud products in the past, some, you know, commercially success, uh, some not, but I feel like everything was a success in terms of learning. Um, so, yeah. So how did you get, so, you know, when you have some commercial success, a lot of times there can be a little bit of, uh, let's say happiness, right? Where you're not, you're not as yeah. hungry to go back out there. And to me, this is a huge problem. It's a big challenge. So it's a big opportunity. What made you guys, what made the team say, hey, let's do it. Let's make another run. We're going to go into the CMS world. This is, this is where we're going. I think it, it, uh, it wasn't actually, it wasn't like that. So I, I am a product guy. I used to, you know, build products for that company. I mentioned Tipco and I, you know, it was too early for me. I left that company thinking, you know, SaaS companies are going to take off. This is 2007, you know, just as an engineer thinking, you know, way ahead. It's like, all right, we need integration on the, on the, on the web is what we called it at that time, you know, and, and basically integration in the cloud. So a new way of doing integration, which is all in the cloud, you know, not the traditional way that, that what I was building. So I quit and I started that company, but it just so happened that we, you know, I didn't go the VC route. So it was all bootstrap. And so we started, you know, being an engineer, I just started taking, uh, you know, helping customers go on the cloud, you know, at that time. And then the mobile sort of revolution happened. So we started building mobile solutions for our customers on the services side. And being a product guy, I'm like, all right, that's that's better way to do this. So we build an MBAS, a mobile backend as a service. And from that came content stack because it's like, well, you have, you can build a mobile app, but now who's going to manage the content? Can we do it? This, you know, the, the way I explained API first, so we built content stack. And eventually we got to build the, the iPads as well. So it's just kind of, it's just next thing, you know, one after another just kind of happened and we ended up building a bunch of products. And then at some point we, we realized keeping all those products in a services company, you know, it, it doesn't make sense from uh, sort of maximizing the, the, the outcomes. So we split the company um, and, and, you know, brought out the like two product companies and one services company from that. So yeah, that was, that's kind of the journey. So talk about, I guess, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that you were already building infrastructure systems, but still the one thing I, I'm curious, I'm always curious about, I guess, is what specifically made you guys say like, you know, like that this is where you were going to apply your skill towards, because the way I look at it is integration of technology, like that is 100% needed everywhere. So I always like to dig down is like, what made you choose specifically the, the content realm so much? What was there, was there like a passion for it? Was one of your co-founders like, man, I just see this problem where were you suffering from your, you know, uh, I think one of my, our former guests said drinking your own champagne. Were you suffering from not being able to do things in building applications where you're like, no, we need to build this because I'm having this problem. Others are going to have this problem. We're, this is the problem to solve. I think it's all of the above. Um, just looking at our customers struggling uh, from a services standpoint, 
and and them getting you know like the technologies that are out there just getting shoved down their throats was actually really annoying and the customers like like i said you know there's so many things out there it's not it's not easy to pick the right text but when you're working on the services side and you are looking at all the technologies there's a better way to do things right and so you know we were implementing Drupal and Tridian, SDL Tridian, which is a pretty, pretty big CMS system at that time. And it was just frustrating uh, what customers had to go through. I remember uh, while we were implementing Tridian for, for a client, some of the content editors had to go through three months of training to update content. Wow. I was just like, this has got to change. Like, you got to build a system that you don't need any training right? Uh, if you can fill out a form, you should be able to update content. And so that was the, that was kind of the, the, the initial starter of it. And then, you know, cloud technologies are happening. We were one of the front, we were really front, you know, the services company was like one of the first, you know, advanced partners of uh, AWS. I think we were like in the first 10. So we adopted that in 2007. So we were like, hey, we can use this cloud for you know delivering the same thing you know in a very different way and it just took us a while because i think the customers through the early adopters it, it takes a while for someone to you know take that leap right into something new completely and so that's why i keep saying you know we're still just scratching the surface uh you know we've we've done quite a bit i mean we do billions of api calls uh, a month right now and i feel like we haven't even like started <laughs> there's so many companies that need to need to get on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most people would be, cause I remember when I first got into this industry, uh, in the marketing industry, MarTech specifically, where it was mind boggling, just how much, like, if you break it down, it's what people need for content. So there's content. It's like, Oh, you think of a social media post, you think of like, Oh, it's just a picture. Like how big of a deal is it to manage that? It's like, no, it's not just, a, it's, it's not like that at all. Right. The, when you go to countries, the geos, the publishing platforms, all that stuff, it gets, it gets impossibly complicated. It's actually a miracle any piece of content gets on social at all because it's usually like approvals, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The whole workflow process, the content, especially if you're a global company, you have done tons of different languages that you have to manage. Uh, you know, all those things. Uh, it, it gets pretty com complicated really fast. So when you think about where our, let's say, society, our culture is accelerating, because there's a lot of people that think attention spans are shrinking. Or getting shorter, right? <laughs> you think about today, content marketing that lives today doesn't last very long, let's say. You know, it's not like, you know, if you think back, let's go back uh, to when I was a kid, 30 years ago, I'm a 10 year old running around because we're on the eve of this, we're getting close to the Super Bowl at the time recording. There's a lot of companies that they, they could rely literally on one commercial for one year, right? <laughs> like Master Lock would do one commercial, they would put a bullet through the Master Lock, and that would be all they needed to have image and recall for that brand for a whole year. Now you're talking about people putting out endless streams of information. What do you see at the enterprise level, the content demand for production, content production, distribution, and management? How fast is it going to keep increasing and can it possibly keep in? And do you think companies are going to be up for the challenge? Because it seems like people today, more so than ever, the consumption is just so high consumption and, and recall is so low, which means you always have to put something new out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I actually see it. I read somewhere where, you know, the number of SaaS companies coming up 
at some point, like five years ago, I read it, it's going to be 10,000 companies, SaaS companies around the world. And at that time, it was like, wow, that's a lot. Uh, today, there's, you know, it was like, I don't know, 60,000 or 100,000 or something like that. And uh, this particular article was saying in the next 10 years, there's going to be a million SaaS companies out there, right? So it's just <laughs> mind boggling. Uh, but to answer your question, I think, uh, you know, it, it's going to accelerate. Uh, it's just, there's no way about it. If you don't, if the companies don't adopt to it, there's another thing I read, half of the S&P 500 companies will no longer exist in the S&P 500 in the next five years, which again, is just like, what, 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 Yeah, <laughs> you know? So, and, and the only thing that I can think of is, is these companies have to be really nimble and, and on the consumer tech side, you know, a lot of things are happening and the enterprise also have to be as nimble as that, right? Or, or come very close to it. And if you're not, you will just leave, uh, you know, leave things open for your competitors to just come in and take your market. So uh, then, then I think that then the question is, you know, for, for technology providers like us, how do we provide the right tooling to make that happen, right? And it's up to us. And I, I think about this every day. It's like, I don't want to be one of those companies that, uh, you know, because we have the service that's working, everyone's consuming right now. And, you know, that I'm not like open to completely ripping and changing the way we do things as well. Because if we don't, then we just become just like the other companies that just change your marketing message and say, hey, we're API first and we're cloud. But when you look under the hood, it's kind of the same crap. <laughs> They're doing a disservice to, the, to their customers and the customers are not realizing, you know, that the, the whole business environment has changed and they're not nimble, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating question, uh, Albert. It's, um, I, I feel like it's going to accelerate. It's going to be even crazier, right? Like, you know, speaking of what you talked about, nimble versus not nimble, I saw recently that this was through some, uh, someone's Twitter conversation or something. And I looked it up that Peloton has now surpassed Ford in market cap, which is unbelievable to think about. I think Peloton's like four years old, right? <laughs> and, Peloton effectively, you might as well call them a content studio. Yeah, they have bikes, but the bikes are the way to distribute their exercise videos, of which they make a lot, right? Yep. And then Ford has to be thinking about like, okay, we make these cars and they're like, they're shrinking their SKUs. They're no longer making cars. They're only focusing on trucks. They have some EVs coming out <laughs> and they're probably going to have the same thing, which is, and I think a lot of entertainment companies or a lot of consumer product companies are thinking the same way, which is how do we distribute information to those systems? Because like Tesla is known for its beautiful interface, Peloton, obviously the classes, the, the, that classes are really what it is. I mean, I don't think it's the bike, right? Right. I think Peloton's going to figure out a way to get this thing, this content on your phone through a subscription model without a bike. I think, I think it's going to happen because that's where all the, that's the even, even bigger market. You know what I mean? It's true. I actually recently got the Peloton and I got hooked on it as well. And, um, I was just talking to my wife this morning and she's like, Oh yeah, I just went out for a run and, uh, I use Peloton and I was confused. I was like, what? And you know, they have, like you said, they're in the content business, you know, they're, they're, they provide all that content and engagement for, for the users, um, that's where Peloton is doing well. Of course, the bike is awesome as well and the other tools, but yeah, it's, it's all about content there. There you go. You got to manage it somehow. <laughs> well, Nishat, I appreciate you joining us today on IT Visionaries and I want to let you know it's time. You know what time it is? 
What is it? <laughs> it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is where we ask you quick questions about your life outside of work so that our audience can get to know you better. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. It says in LinkedIn, you're in Austin. Is that true? Yes. Do you eat breakfast tacos every day? Nope. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> What's the best part about living? That's what I remember from being there at South by Southwest. What's your favorite part about being in Austin? I think the, the weather, people, music, culture, all that stuff. Is the company HQ in Austin? It's San Francisco, but Austin's looking really good. And now we have a pretty, pretty decent sized team here. So I was saying, I learned some LinkedIn, quite a bit of people in Austin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you can plug a customer. You don't have to plug a customer. You're a technologist, but who do you think is, has the best content strategy right now that you're seeing? Who is executing at a super high level? I mean, the, the, the big ones always come into mind, Nike and you know, Peloton, of course, the one that you brought. Uh, there's some, of, uh, some big gaming companies that are our are customers, you know, those guys as well. Uh, they look at content very differently. Uh, it's, it's the center of all they do. And they blew up last year uh, in, the, in terms of scale, right? Um, so they're also doing really good. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of companies. And you would think that these companies are, you know, been around for a long time and they'll be kind of old it's not the case. You know, there's, there's companies out there that have proven uh, otherwise. So you mentioned Nike a couple of times now, and I got to ask, are you a fan of sports? Yes, I am. <laughs> are you a fan of Ohio State? Of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I got to ask, what, what happened in the playoffs, man? What happened? <laughs> not good this year. Um, <laughs> but I think this year we can just, you know, write it off uh, for the pandemic. We'll blame, we'll blame it to the pandemic. <laughs> it was chaos. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So right now for content stack, are you guys mostly work from home right now? We are, yes. So what has your experience been like working from home? Um, there's good and bad things. I think I've heard companies say we're gonna be work from home all the time. I think that's an extreme view. And you know, the other guys say, Oh no, we'll come back to the office. I think that also is an extreme view. So, you know, we will be looking at some sort of a balance when things open up. But uh yeah, I, I think you know, pros and cons. I I rather I think you get a lot of energy from working with people face to face. I miss that. And I, I see that with, uh, with my colleagues as well. So we'll try to find some balance, I guess, when things open up. No, I'm with you. Unfortunately for us at Mission, we're fully remote, but I agree. Whenever we get a chance to come together, it's always good. I'm sure you guys like get together and, and you know. Yeah, it brings out the juice. You get more excited, you know? Yeah, exactly. So what do you like to do away from work? Well, uh, you know, in the pandemic, it's kind of changed quite a bit, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, go rafting, kayaking, skiing, all that sort of stuff. Another outdoorsman. We keep finding, you know, Nishant, we keep finding that uh, CTOs are quite, quite a few really do enjoy the outdoors, which is, you know, breaks a little bit of a stereotype. Yeah, for sure, man. Like you need a way to escape a little bit, right? Uh, from the grind. So I, I really enjoy that. Well, Nishant, there's no doubt about it that Content Stack is attacking a monstrous problem. Uh, we look forward to seeing how the company grows over the next few years. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Any last words of wisdom for anyone out there? No, just keep, keep, keep at it and keep uh, you know, doing the right things for, for your customers. And Albert, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on this, on this call. Awesome. Thank you. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform. 
the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.